Are we on? We're on. Welcome back to Peace Grenades, World Headquarters, Roseville, Minnesota, Studio C. Got Kevin Broughton here. What is uh, Studio C? Is it Studio COVID? I don't know. It could be Studio COVID. <laughs> we don't have a Studio A or a Studio B, but we got Studio C, I guess, now. So, uh, I don't know. Levi, what, what do we want to be called? Studio what? Yeah, you got Levi here, too. Studio COVID, man. Studio COVID. Live from Studio COVID. So, uh... It's November 3rd. It's election day. Holy yeah. shit, everybody. Here we go. Anybody nervous? Everybody excited? Man, I was listening to, uh, <clears throat> J- you know, J.P. Sears? No, I don't know. Ultra spiritual guy? Long hair, long red hair? No. He's got his own podcast. And Ultra he was, spiritual guy. Yeah, he's like, he's pretty nonchalant about everything, and he's like, well, I'm just hanging out here waiting for the Civil War to start, you know? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, and anyway, real. yeah. So, anyways, uh, I uh, we live in Roseau, Minnesota, so I don't know how much. You know, it ain't like they're boarding up the windows on on Main Street, no, getting ready got, for the impending violence of Roseau County. Yeah, but I've got friends that have never ever even thought of buying guns before, and now they think they need a gun. And that's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's a little scary, it's actually. A little bit scary. That's like. <laughs> I had a gentleman come in my store last week that said that. He said, I've never in my life thought that I needed a assault rifle for anything. And I, He said he owns three guns and had them for many years, a shotgun, a rifle, and something else. But never thought he needed one of those. And now he's like, wow, I feel like I might. Yeah. Really, it's really crossed my mind, and I never thought that that would ever happen. I don't. And so that's kind of crazy. That's pretty extreme. But You might think I'm a little bit off by saying this well i like an assault rifle in the hands of an untrained person is probably more dangerous than it is good i mean i'm not anti-gun or anything like that but um you know anybody that's never learned how to properly operate something that's used for destruction you know maybe it's in your best interest to stick to your uh your bolt action rifle because quite honestly you could potentially be more protective or deadly with a, a with a with well or with a bolt action or a, like you pull the trigger on your AR and it just well yeah I mean it's and you I, shoot the ceiling and I'll be honest with you I've killed a lot more deer you know animals with my hunting style rifles you know than I have with my AR I bet you I've blasted through 500 rounds trying to kill deer with that thing and it's just useless <laughs> you know honestly I mean it, it's not a weapon for hunting um, no. and and it clearly you know. But they make them in hunting calibers just to look. I mean, I mean, the AR and hunting calibers. So they're they're I mean, actually some people. I have they one. Love them, and a lot of people have them. I, I I've got one myself. I, I own a two forty three that kills deer just fine. For I me, so I love that that caliber two forty three. I always have it's it's a fast little light non. Yeah. I mean, Quick. and they're highly accurate. I mean, you're almost guaranteed to hit every time. So oh, yeah especially if I'm shooting. Yeah, so anyways, yeah, speaking of which, it's uh, we also got a big weekend coming up here in this in the local area here. It's deer hunting season. It's almost, actually it is a little bit bigger of a deal than Christmas um, <laughs> around here. I, I'd say northern Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan. Um, it's kind of a big deal. Probably Iowa, North Dakota too. I mean, quite honestly, around here, people are probably more worried about deer season than they are the election. The election or getting COVID or anything <laughs> yes. like that. They're just, they don't give a shit about any 
thing hardly. I mean, for sure the election today. People are going to be talking about that. They need something to talk about at deer camp for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, and that's a big thing up here is deer season, deer camp, people take off. If there's All anybody... Week, maybe two weeks of work sometimes. I just want to give one piece of advice to anybody listening out there. You go to deer camp, you know... There's booze involved. We all know that. Yeah. You know, dad might be a Democrat and son might be a Republican. Just get along, for God's sakes. We're all in this together. Yeah. Don't be starting no drunken arguments with your old man or Uncle Ted. That's true. I was actually, <laughs> a gross opener was here, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago here in Minnesota. And I went out to a buddy's deer camp and I was overheard somebody starting to talk politics over off to the side in the trees. I walked over there and I said, hey, what the hell are you doing? He said, what do you mean? I said, don't be talking politics at camp. Especially We're in the woods. We're all out here to have a good time. BS with each other, have a bonfire, grill some good food, not talk politics and start arguing because it's going to happen with the booze involved for sure. Yeah, I, that's he, like... And he kind, of, he kind of shut up. but Yeah, it's like an unspoken... Uh... I don't know. It's just something you don't... I mean, just like I covered on the last podcast, be a gentleman about it. It's okay to be proud of who you support, but honestly, I actually would rather be friends with my Democrat friends than, you know... Because, you know, if you appreciate and love people like I, you know, like, like you do as a human, when they're gone, you're going to totally regret talking all kinds of you know smack or telling them to fuck off or something because... They, because they, they voted, voted for Biden for. or yeah. Trump or whatever, you know, just and you know, speaking of that, I just heard on the news there was some dipshit Trump supporters down in Texas with flags and shit on their trucks, ran a Biden kind of convoy <laughs> off the road. Oh my what a bunch of fucking no, idiots! No, Donald Trump said that they escorted them. You know, he was on one of his. Uh, well, he doesn't know. He's so full of shit. <laughs> he said we had some great supporters down there that escorted one of Biden's vans or whatever, uh, buses. And it's like, no, they didn't escort him. Nah. I mean, they're in, absolutely intimidating him. And yeah, who knows what they're trying to do. But that's kind of crazy to happen in this we, country. We, it shouldn't be happening. It's And that's, yeah scary for everybody we may not know the full details either i i was listening to another podcast and the, for sure the gentleman the said that have been flicking people yeah off there was the some other reports or... of some other vehicle that cut off a trump you know but whatever okay so you know and i'm, I'm over the trump flags too um <laughs> i am i and here's Signs the thing in your yard are fine that's always been a thing but i mean I'm, trump I'm, flags flying out of the back of vehicles everywhere I'm starting to i mean yeah. well here here's the thing i'm a conservative i am and, and I, I support Trump in this election, but I will tell you this. If I see another goddamn Trump flag flying over a United States flag, I'm going to go burn the fucker. Yeah, shouldn't be that way. He's the first president. Yeah, well, absolutely. It's ridiculous. He's, it's the first president that I remember or know of where people have flown flags like this, like, like in such loyalty to... Yeah, and, and, and you don't want to have loyalty to a to the guy that, and, and number one, people need to realize too. Let, you know what? Since it's presidential election day, I'm going to educate people a little bit on what the role the president is. Let's hear it, Levi. Well, he's not a king, for God's sake. So we're not supposed to worship him. No. And here's the thing: if I support Trump in this election, but if Biden gets elected, quite honestly, I really don't think that my life is going to change that much. I was going to say that. You know, I got 13 <laughs> miles to drive to work in the morning here. I love it. It's a gorgeous drive. 
Sun's always coming out every day. Came up this morning in the east. Beautiful sunrise. The moon was out in the west in the sky. Still, I counted 37 sharp-tailed grouse. And tomorrow, it'll probably be the same thing again. Same nice drive. The next day, same thing. I mean, whether it doesn't matter who the president is. I'm still coming to work. Well, yeah, and, and what I realized, even, it, you know, my big awakening about presidential elections was I did not like Obama the first time he got elected, and I was bent out of shape about it. Oh, our world's going to end. We got a black guy in office, you know. This is unheard of, and I'm not even racist. It was just... Well, that sounds like you lean a little bit, or you used to. <laughs> well, no, and the, I, I didn't like Obama strictly based off of policy, but it was different for everybody. We didn't know what he was going to do. You know, he was pretty, but it turns out he that didn't he didn't drive the country into the ground. He did a pretty decent job. Yeah, I think he did. And it it turns out that he was actually a lot less liberal than people would have liked him to be. And you at know? that point, Obama was, was the liberal candidate and Biden, he picked as his running mate was it to get him Republican votes. He was the more conservative. The old white guy, right? Yeah, the old white guy, your grandpa. <laughs> You know, right? He'll get me some, you know, and to kind of check and balance him out a little bit, and I think they did that well. And so, I, I mean, even to be a Republican now, he, Joe Biden shouldn't be that far off your radar. To, I mean, I just I, one thing, you know, we're gonna we're not gonna talk about this the whole podcast, but I, I, I just want to. Okay, so both candidates have, um, you know, I would say they they have personality issues um you know i guess I'd say joe no, biden is quite a bit I'll, more cordial than i'll go back donald trump I'm i mean back. people love him for being harsh but he's over the top harsh I, I, i'll go back both candidates have character issues on the way they handle okay so I, i'll be honest do we actually know i mean can we just cut all the bullshit aside and say I want to name three things or two things that I don't like about Biden, and I want to name two or three things I don't like about Trump or vice versa that I do like. You know, actual policy with, I guess, with character set aside. You know what I'm saying? That's that's one thing we need to ask ourselves. Um, because really, at the end of the day, it doesn't make a shit what character the president has. It's, it's about policy. Oh, but that, it does if it affects policies with other countries and relations and and the people that want to work with them to make create policies it it, I mean, it does but <laughs> he, he's not the number one factor in that goes and ripples through all of our politics it, and it does but but i guess what i'm saying is there's enforceable policy which is i mean trump hasn't really he says he does all these things he's oh it's just everything's just so good you know and great you know and and it's funny you probably hear me making fun of the guy and, and the thing of it is, is there's actual policy that, that, that I don't like about Biden. And there's also some things that I've, that I've took note of. He's been in politics for 48 years or whatever, you know, and so, I, okay. So oh, get this. Levi's starting just, to get okay. We're, we're going to get off this. Just, I'll, I want to make a point and then, point and then brats, you can bring something up too, just kind of to kick me in the nuts. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I don't want to, there's just the one thing. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch YouTube quite a bit, and I've seen this ad, and like essentially what Biden was getting at was, if I was president, nobody would have died of COVID. I know the cure, and I'm like, God damn, dude. Well, if you got the cure, then you... Because he keeps saying, well, Trump is personally responsible for 200,000 deaths in America, right? 
Dude, actually, if you know the cure, you're fucking responsible for those deaths. If you know the cure. Well, I think he he's saying the cure is probably not like a gumdrop everybody can eat, <laughs> but he knows that he should put some things you know, in place. You know, I'm being sarcastic to, a little yeah, bit, Yeah, put right? some things in place that are <laughs> going to settle this and, and get it under control. I mean, Trump's held 18 rallies. They say he's, with those 18 rallies, there's upwards of 30,000 people that have contracted the virus and maybe 700 dead from the lab. Right. I mean, it was I get Stanford's, it. So, Stanford's study, I think. I, I get it. I get it. So you, you, I mean, right now you can And he's link. making fun of the, you know, the Democrats for not having people at their rallies. And it's like, you, well, they're not, they're not pushing for that. So You, you could link any, any, I think right now you could link any non-injurious death to COVID, to COVID honestly. And the, yeah, so nobody really knows all nobody the knows and the exact numbers, but yeah, that's got to be an estimate. So, so anyways, I, in my little tiny brain, you know, that's how I process things. I'm like, well, why don't you just, why, why are you holding out then, brah? You know? Yeah, they used that before. <laughs> I think Trump used that on some for Biden before, and he said, well, why didn't you, uh, why didn't you fix it then? And it's like, well, that was two years ago, and I'm not the president of the United States. Like, this was my idea, but... You are the president. I'm, why are you trying to blame me for something that happened two years ago? And you said, well, but Joe should have fixed it then if you knew how. It's like, well, <laughs> he wasn't in a position to. No, he wasn't. You're right. right. I, and I, I, my, once again, my tiny little brain did process that way too. So, um, okay, so. Election you know, let, let, day, anyway. Let, go okay. vote to everybody. Yeah. And, go and vote. I don't care who you vote for. I really don't. And here's the thing. I sincerely want everybody to go out and vote. Of course, by the time this records, it's over anyways, and I hope you all voted. And I will say, you know, I voting is pretty important to me, even though it seems like kind of a pain in the ass, because, you, you know, especially with COVID and stuff. But uh, it's important to, that everybody votes because people say, well, I, you know, you I don't think right it makes a difference. If you don't go, but here's the thing. I have, I've been to combat in countries where they don't vote, okay? And I can guarantee it's a fuck of a lot worse there than it is here. And that's all I'm going to say. And I've got, you know, buddies that have died, you know, in those countries trying to establish, well, the American machine, the democracy. Gosh. <laughs> Anyways. This is a whole nother. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, ball of but what I'm but, saying yeah. is go out and vote because, it, you know, to some we people. We can in this country. Because you can. And you know what? You can leave the presidential one blank if you want. Whatever. You know. Yeah. Write in your best friend. Who I cares? did write in some people today. I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> 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 for some random ones that you don't even know what it's I for. Did just write in I did too. I did. Brats, you might be on the school board, just so you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> your name right. is on a ballot. So. Yes, my name is on a ballot now. I'm excited. I hope they put those uh, out to the public record so we can see how many people voted for me. Yeah, it'll be on KVLY, Fargo News there. Yeah, Fargo News. <laughs> okay, so anyway, g- g- happy election day, whatever. So now, happy election day. So now we're gonna move. We're gonna t- let's talk about this uh, last episode we talked about. I was heading out to. Uh, I'll leave. I had a top secret uh, mission. Well, we weren't sure where he was going. So I went out to to, to Colorado. I went to Denver for work. Um, I worked for a pipeline contractor. Um, it was, it was my owner and I, my boss, I should say, and um, we were not we, necessarily uh, for pipeline work. Yeah, we were. What we are is a pipeline contractor. We do. Uh, we're a smaller family-owned uh, union contractor out of don't over by Bemidji, Minnesota, and uh, so. But what we're trying to do is um, 
we're, we're trying to get into some different avenues and branch out a little bit and we're doing a little bit diversify. of diversify yeah diversify and we're doing a little bit of research and development on some some hemp and biomass um, not just hemp the biomass uh, well hemp is supposed to be this new well not new at all I mean it was a crop and hundreds of years ago i think george washington grew hemp yeah honestly i want to say the uh, declaration of independence is written on hemp paper but that might be a myth (laughs) that might be a myth but it it also might be true that that's probably not too far too long of a shot so without you know we're we're going into this with a lot of skepticism we're not this you know hemp's gonna save the world or hemp's gonna save the farm we're we're more or less taking an approach kind of like uh well, hemp can replace lots of different products in lots of different it, industries, from some oil products to all building products that they can make out of the fiber from the... Yeah. So we went out there, and, and this guy essentially, um, I can't say too much because I don't want to compromise you know, his <laughs> privacy, but um, essentially it's a team of guys out there, and they're just kind of working on a... It's not a big corporation... It's kind of a grassroots. It was an old warehouse. Uh, it was it wasn't anything like we thought it was going to be? Really. And um, the guy we thought it was going to be a big modern. Yeah, kind of like a big you know people in lab coats and yeah. face shields and stuff like that. <laughs> like know? a dispensary or something. The dispensary up instead of yeah. a farming. We went operation. into a dispensary. It was nicer than. Had you ever been into a dispensary? No, it, it's actually pretty radical. Uh, it's, kinda, it's awesome. It's kind of neat to do for the first time. I actually I, I actually like the environment in there. I was in California in San Diego uh, a couple summers ago, and I couldn't even find one out there. They out there now. It's uh, you got to order order it like oh really by phone, and then come just deliver it to you like uh, food delivery. It's kind of crazy, but um. So anyway, we 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 went over there and uh, went in there. We met with this gentleman, and and uh, he's got essentially what it is is scaled down models of of fiber processing equipment. Um, he's got his whole spent the him and his, I think it's his brother and and anyways these guys have spent their whole essentially, this guy that we talked to some kind of college, I don't know what his major is but his brother is like a chemist yeah um, so and you know they've got an engineer that works for him and they've developed some of this scaled down machinery so so their some role in the educated hemp, gentleman yeah they are their role in the hemp industry is, um, more or less research and development technologies trying to figure out what we can do yeah with, with the hemp they're not in the business of 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 uh industry you know because are there companies out there that are making things out of hemp right now they or, are but I on mean, a small scale they're so what they're doing is they're developing the industry so you know how your university you know we rely on universities a lot to develop technology isn't this an industry that can help a lot with like even yeah green emissions and different yeah. things that we should maybe be pumping a little harder I, like well, trying and to get this going and, and that's get where, some facilities built to process some of this hemp so what we found out on this trip is there's a disconnect between um feasibility so you know what feasibility is right yeah, so tr- trying to make it happen yeah so feasibility means <laughs> you know feasible. i would say economic feasibility so um i would say there's a disconnect between there really isn't any data to show right now zero data in the united states to show that the hemp fiber or biomass it if it's feasible or not we don't even have data because if what's feasible um but economically because right now to turn it into products we can use or yes yeah, so so what what we need to do 
brought to you, shrugged your shoulders, like, well, that's a no-brainer. Let's just do it. I mean, just well, do it. Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't well, know because what the they can all make it into. I should have done well, a little more research. But, yeah, I've heard of that a lot. Like, you know, all the fiber boards that are used with lots of, I, I mean, you can, instead of logging, we can leave the trees and we can use well hemp, it, hemp for it. And, and there's a lot. using boards when we're using composite, everything almost to build your homes. Now, nobody puts hardwood floor and hardly anymore it's all, it's all composite, composite and, yep. and composite everything so so what 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 we the the consensus or the analysis that we made was you know we're not going to quit pursuing this avenue but we are going to take a step back and analyze you know our our end goal well, so you as a farmer you were looking to get into growing it right well i do grow it you know i, I grew 100 acres this year um i, I grow it for seed um, the seed market's actually pretty good. The Canadians have been growing it for years, so they're actually... What do they use the seed for? Just literally for planting? Um, oh, yeah, I'm other, glad you asked. Um, for squeezing it, because I've heard you can squeeze the seeds for the oil. Um, so Clean burning oil. The, the hemp that I grow is conventional farmed hemp. Um, you can, I don't have to change any of my equipment. Essentially, I just use the equipment I've got. I combine it in the fall, just like I combine wheat or soybeans. Um, you gotta, It's a little... It's pretty pretty uh fibrous material so you got to be careful on your machinery because it'll wrap around everything cause fires but for the most part my machinery worked pretty good this year fire in the hemp field yeah so <laughs> yeah yeah no, you'll get, a, like you'll get a fucking headache to, for people out there hemp doesn't hemp is not marijuana hemp is like bush and it yeah it's not even that because well you yeah, can, bush I guess, NA has a tiny bit yeah of and that and you can you can actually i think if you smoked hemp you'd get pretty if you've smoked a lot, we're <laughs> you don't. You'd have a pretty bad headache. But it, <laughs> like standing in a bluegrass field burning. But or it, something. but anyway, so so you know our trip out there, we went out and, and we just wanted to research this this see if it was a feasible thing to do or. Yep, and and what we came up with was we are. There's three kind of goals that we need to attain. This guy's kind of a consultant too. And, and we're, we're figuring out those goals right now. And um, I, I've got a lot of, there's a lot of naysayers in, in, in the fiber business because, you know, they say, well, you know, flax came through. Flax is a fibrous plant too, but it's not near, I, I, I think it's got some not potential. Not near as productive as uh, Probably not. Be. You can pull like two or three products out of flax, but flax isn't a very bulky plant. So you're you not getting. every bit of the hemp. Yeah, exactly. Engine. You're not getting a lot of volume out of and it. And takes, I'm not. And it grows super easily. I'm not writing flax it's literally off. Literally a weed. Yeah, hemp is. Yeah, hemp I mean, is. Hemp is some crazy stuff, you know. So less oh, and, chemicals and everything for yep. hemp, right? So. And I, I want to go back. Oh so, man, you could make all the plywood out of it. So so I grew all that timber that was cut for roofing and all the plywood for sheeting houses and. So so I grew a hundred acres. I have the grain. Um, so they use it the seed they use it all of my seed is food grade um so they actually people eat it on their salads um it goes all over the world um it's they really good hemp st- seeds on their salad it's really good stuff to eat man i Just take handfuls seeds. of it and eat it right out of the bin you kidding me it's good dude it's it tastes it's nutty it's got a nutty flavor huh. i'll give you some man some hemp seed all right. you might have to clean so, it like clean it a little bit yeah. like Sunflower stick it through seed. a pick out the beans oh man jeez <laughs> So, anyways, and then so another a good portion of our hemp I was told goes out to New York, and they actually make uh, hemp milk, um, and I guess it's flavorful. I guess it's really good. 
Um, right. I looked it up. It looks like white regular milk, and it's I guarantee it's better than almond milk. I drink almond milk. I like almond milk. I love two percent milk. And I guarantee too, this hemp, like hemp milk is delicious. Milk. You know, I guarantee. I've never tried it, but as much as I like eating the hemp seeds, they're they're great. You know, well, that sucks. It kind of in your mind put a halt to your well it's, little it's, operations it's or? not necessarily a halt it's it's just another little obstacle to we're gonna get through you know we're gonna we're gonna keep there was working a lot on, to gulp down when you saw the full spectrum of it, what was going on well to, the amount of or to get it i would i functioning i would say the thing that kind of blew me away was the amount of research and development in the in the machines that he had built were insane he had a thing called an extruder where he was pulling out lignin out of the hemp plant and this thing was pretty complex and i'm i'm just thinking about processing like some hydraulic rams and you know some big <laughs> machinery the machinery <laughs> yeah end, the machinery the end of it and he he had a history of it yeah he had it dialed into where he was pulling out lignin and lignin is a very natural glue that they could actually use in 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 chipboard plants um so they got the glue from the hemp and yeah. the fiber from the hemp yeah and and, and fi- hemp fiber's got like 85 percent cellulosic uh, properties which means that it's actually got more cellulosic properties than a softwoods you know for paper mills there's so much potential there so what i think our goal would be we're, we're still going to pursue this this avenue but we are a pipeline company too so we have other projects going on right now that we're trying to you know uh, I guess ten to, and and we are still doing the business development. Well, we can do this on the side, you know. You're well, building yourself our, a new shop. We can get a little corner in it, a one, little fifteen by fifteen corner, and shake some hemp seeds and try to process it into something else. You know, I think one start thing. Start our own little R and D lab. You know, my my boss and I, we we got tired of, you know, essentially being a, you know, we get tied to this industry, you know, quote on air quote industry of. We're just these bad people that are polluting the world because we're building pipelines and we work in power plants and refineries and stuff. And, you know, we try to do everything we can. You know, we're a union contractor. We try to take good care of our people. But, you know, we kind of want to use another avenue to to, to show the rest of, uh, not just to, sh- not necessarily show the rest of the world, but I guess be be an example of, innovation even though to get self-conscious about the things that you're doing you guys are growing up no i know you want to diversify well do some yeah help the world a little bit and we we kind of want to be on top because here as a younger kind of i guess we'll say businessman i'm on the younger end of management for you know but here's the thing is i've been told my whole life how we're basically fucking this earth (laughs) yeah so it's only natural for me to try to, to to at least make an attempt at trying to um you know make things i guess renewable or or whatever even though i'm pretty much a republican and i'm not much of a conservationist i mean it's not like i part of the goddamn sierra club here you know <laughs> you know i don't i'm not into the sierra club stuff but anyways i, I guess <laughs> the, long, the long and short of it is out in colorado we learned a lot and that's the most valuable thing and that's we can be um you know we can take yeah. that and run with it and the one thing i will tell you is the gentleman that we met out there didn't didn't charge us a dime he put his whole life into this he, he wants he, it to go yeah and he, he wants was people to take it and learn from him and run with it yep and and he he was very excited that there was two young gentlemen 
because he was in his 60s, late 60s. Mm-hmm. He had like messy hair. He looked like the guy from, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but he, <laughs> he looked like the guy from Back to the Future. Yeah, that's what I was Marty or whatever. Is it Marty? No, Marty's the kid. Marty McFly. <laughs> he, we came in, he did have a white lab coat on, but that's about, and he had a hairnet and he was, oh wow. He, he was awesome. He, he put his whole life into this and he truly believes that there's, he truly believes. Well, there are better ways to do a lot of things and he's, he's seen it and, yeah. He he has Monster. it. He's got it. Yeah. He he I think he's looking for people to buy into his ideas. He doesn't want to sell so where, out. Yeah, where are they? Why aren't people, I mean, jumping on the it's, bandwagon a little more? It's still being developed. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna round this off with this conversation off with they when I say feasibility, I'm talking about I guess you you need to find the fine line you know we got to get this this hemp fiber from a farmer but we got to be able to afford to pay the guy to take it it's not free um so it's all starts there you know what can we pay for this stuff and then at the end are we making any money on this you know we don't want to lose well, money there's got to be yeah there's got to be incentives when when i say hemp we is something that's got to get pushed when i say gotta, well it's got to be incentives for the farmers to grow it there's got to so, be incentives for the factories to be built to process it yep and so all sorts of things maybe there's somewhere to process that can just get tweaked minor you know minor tweaks in that facility would work just fine for uh, all sorts of that, different things and those are avenues we're looking at right now and we're also looking at you know incentives whether they be government related or uh well, Private. there must be incentives for soybeans and wheat. Well, and, there's incent- I mean, there's some there's some biomass uh, research incentives out there. I'm not sure exactly what's on the table, but um, I mean, I hate to say it, but I don't think a lot of people know this stuff is out there because, well, number one is it, it takes a lot of capital to 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 even get into something like this, to even look at it, you know. And uh, I I I respect my my boss and my owner just for even. You know, just for even thinking about it, think considering yeah, this, considering you know, and, yeah, and I'm not the one that even, you know, I, and how it all started even was I, respectable. I, I farm on the side and him and I were in a hotel a year and a half ago or whatever. And I was maybe on the phone with a seed vendor or something and <laughs> talking about hemp. He goes, man, you grow hemp. I said, yeah. He's like, so then we started, we just had this conversations and we, we what you could do with him. Yeah. Next thing I you know, he was laying in his hotel bed on his phone, just like, going down the rabbit hole of fucking hemp, you <laughs> hemp, know, hemp, hemp, and he's, hemp, he got hemp. pretty excited about it. And he's like, this dude, this might be the future. And I'm I like, I think it is the future. All right. So that's enough on uh, politics for the day. And also on the hemp, we're going to get back to the hemp. That's something we're going to keep looking into in the future and keep talking about as we talk about green energy. And you know. also with that, you know, is being said, you know, there's some stuff that obviously I'm not going to re- reveal on, on here until we, you know, I mean, I know I'm being pretty vague anyways, um, you know, but there's some stuff that as in any business, it's not that we want to be secretive about it. It's just that. No, but it's neat just to know that, uh, like you said, like the gentleman in yeah. Colorado was happy to see young folks looking into this. Well, it's I, something that should get looked into. But Just uh, real quick, I'm going to hit on it. All right, all right. We got one more point. One more point is, you know, he, he brought up that he, he was happy to see us as well because he, I think he gets approached by a lot of, he calls them hempsters. <laughs> you know, kind of like not hipsters, hamsters. Yeah, I guess. And you know, people that don't really want to invest anything in the industry, they just want him to buy their shit, like oh. their little one, two hemp bales off their two acres they grew on the outskirts yeah. of Denver. Yeah. That, and I think he gets a lot of that, and that's why he had his door locked. Even 
Oh, wow. You know, they're like, hey, you want to buy my, just my bail? Knocking. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> he's like, man, I, I'm a research and development facility. And that's, and actually, I like that part of him where he was that disciplined to where he didn't fall into that kind of, he didn't make it like that's a. That's not what he was trying to He say. was so driven about getting, developing the industry that he had to pretty much lock his doors and, and put his headphones on and go to work, you know, him and his crew. So anyway, it's a good experience and uh, it was a fun trip to Denver. Um, I've never been to Denver. I've been to Colorado, but I've never been to Denver. Um, to be quite honest with you, it looked a lot like uh, Williston, North Dakota. <laughs> like Williston? <laughs> I like Denver. Denver's, uh, I think it's similar to Minneapolis. I was in Minneapolis for like six, seven years, um, college time. And yeah, Denver's similar. So temper, temperature and stuff, a little warmer in the winter. I like it. Yeah, Close it was. to skiing. First the day, snow doesn't stick in the city. First day we got there, it was, I don't know, 35 degrees out, which is surprising to me. I thought it was going to be warmer. But then the second day, it was 70. And actually, after our meeting, we, we went up and took a drive up into the mountains up by Boulder. And uh, Boulder was a nice little town. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, and uh, so we, we went up in the mountains. And I when I was in the Marine Corps, I did spend some time in the mountains in the Sierra Nevadas. And, and I've been up in the mountains snowmobiling and some mountain training. Yeah, I we did a mountain warfare uh, training package. And um, anyways, how about snowmobiling? How'd that go? Do you know how to sled? Uh, yeah, I, a I bit? used to make a trip to the mountains every year with some buddies. And you got to know what you're doing up there. Oh, it's definitely. Like, uh, whole different oh, ball game than ditch for, banging around. Yeah, the first time Minnesota. I first time I went, like the first hour I was on a sled out there, I was like, I I thought I wasn't maybe gonna make it. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A I thought maybe I'm not cut out for this, you know. But then uh, got buried once up yeah. to your shoulders, and yeah. So I, so I, but I actually love snowmobiling out there. I wish I could do it more often, but I, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot that goes with going snowmobiling. You can't just bring a, a flatland snowmobile over there. I mean, you could probably could, but you're gonna have to stick to the trails. Yeah, you got to get a different hobby. Downhill yeah. skiing, I love that. I love skiing too, believe it or not. Right I, up, coast down, right up, coast down. That was another thing we did in the Marine Corps. And also uh, when I learned how to ski when I was on, uh, I think it was like 7th or 8th or ninth grade ski trip to Bemidji or something. <laughs> Actually, in Malung School, <laughs> I learned how to. Oh, man, Malung School. That's, I learned how to cross-country like, ski. Uh, okay, that's So we had cross-country but... skiing there, and, and I did it every day in the wintertime. You know, we were either skiing or skating or sliding on the, on the hill. But um, And then, so I kind of knew how to ski. And then I was in the Marine Corps when we did our warfare, uh, mountain warfare training package in the Sierra Nevadas. They took you skiing. Uh, yeah, they did. And, and they had the Marine Corps, believe it or not, they had their own little ski lift, except I wouldn't call it a ski lift. I'd call it more of a goddamn tow rope. Yeah, but they have those all over the place. Yeah, they were pulling you up the mountain. Yep. And then, and then uh, oh, man, I got Most a funny story. got a little tow rope. I, I got a funny story. smaller hills. All right, let's so see. So here's, here's Levi. I'm in the Marine Corps. I was like a PFC or something at the time. What's that we, mean? private first class okay so gotcha. i'm just a freaking peon and we're up and up and i find myself from you know this is only a year into the marine corps not even and i find myself up in the mountains in bridgeport california with about literally 600 other marines you know our whole our whole unit went there and i i'm in there with guys from florida and and georgia and texas yeah people from all over the world They're, one of my or platoon one of my team one of my platoon mates had never even he was from freaking cedar key florida Never even seen snow in his entire life. He was shit in his pants. And then they bring us into this Bridgeport, California, where there's, I mean, we're at. This is California, but it's up in the mountains. Yeah, in Sierra Nevada mountains, yes. So, I mean, honestly, Bridgeport is like, I want to say it was at 6,500 or 7,000 feet, okay? Maybe even more. I don't don't even know. So, you know, we went through all this extensive classroom training to tell us, you know, 
when we tell you to wear something, you wear it, you know, like as far as your thermals and your, your outer shell and, and, you know, cause essentially that's what it comes down to in the You're cold weather. This. Yeah, yeah. And do not deviate off of what we tell you to wear, you know, and, and, uh, so the first day they're like, okay, we're going to do a mild, you know, I, I, I don't know what they called it, but we're going to do a, we call it a hump, you know, a force march yeah. up the mountain. And when we get so high, then we're going to put our snowshoes on, I believe it was. So it was like a 13 mile hump up the mountain. And I, I was, you know, as a young Marine, you're like, you're up for the challenge, but there was guys that were shit in their pants because you look up the mountain and there's snow in clouds and trees and i mean it looks <laughs> like we're, we're going up everest you know but it, it's it wasn't to somebody that has hasn't yeah. been there so, absolutely so in mind you we're, we're this hump is going to be uphill the whole time we're going up to the pass um i can't remember what the name of the pass was but anyways i mean there's kids that do hikes this big not not i can't do that I yeah so pass out on a 13 so mile hike we you had, guys are carrying packs i think and stuff too, i think I our imagine. packs were about 75 80 pounds yeah. And then we had weapons. I had a freaking sled strapped to my ass because I was a, at the time I was a crew serve weapons uh, marine. So I had a goddamn mortar and a, and a sled strapped to my ass. <laughs> All right. Well, they were like, "Oh, this kid's from Minnesota. Just give him the sled." <laughs> you know, I'm sure. I'm sure they were like, "Yeah, just give him the sled. He's an idiot." Um. So, anyways, so we go up this mountain, you know, and lo and behold, you know, the day before they're like, "Okay, you're gonna wear this, this, and this," and I listened because I was a because I'm good at getting brainwashed, I listened to exactly what they said. I had no issues. Granted, I got up to the top of the mountain, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't. Like, I'm like, I can't. We were at 13,000 feet. I shit you not, up at the pass. There was, we were in the clouds. Yeah. And we were going to stay up there for eight days when we got up there. <laughs> right? So you're, like, sweating. You got thermals on with your shell. When you start, you're cold. Yeah. But I was just burning up when we got up there. And there was, I think we lost, I want to say they said they we lost like 20 to 30% of our guys on that hump going up that had to go back down the mountain that didn't yep. make it. Yep. And what, the main reason they didn't make it is because they didn't listen. They, they put on sweatpants in between their uh, thermals and their shells, and they put on like shit they weren't supposed to. You know, like yep. two pairs of camis. Because they, they literally can't comprehend. That. It's just, Bratz and I understand how like cold Like how to go out in the winter time a little bit you don't need that much once you start moving you barely need it I mean, anything you need a shell yeah you need a, a shell to, to keep yourself out of that wind you're gonna be sweating either yeah way, whether and he's walking on flatland around here or especially there in the yeah mountains. so anyway so you we get guys from florida and all over yeah. the place so back to the skiing story so we we, we had did a couple pumps out in, out in the field i think we had gone out for eight days came back so like the second time out we were out for 10 days and and uh you know, it's kind of like the skiing portion of training. So we graduated from snowshoes to skis on the second go round, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna go to the ski hill." You know, we had a bivouac site set up, which is essentially a campsite. Yeah, little campsite. Yep, and uh, and the side of the mountain. And I, to be honest with you, I loved this training. I, I thought it yeah, was. It sounds great. like fun. It sounds yeah. like camping on the hills. It was a bodies. challenge. I mean, it was a challenge. And um, so anyway, we go to the ski hill. I'm like, God, oh, you know, this is pretty sweet. I'm gonna be good at this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, I can do this no yeah. problem. I so like hockey, we're we're out there with these guys from all over the country, and I mean we're talking every race. You know, we got black dudes, Mexicans. I mean, everybody th I think thought it was pretty fun for the most part. Yeah, you know, everybody's like, this is pretty cool. You know, we're downhill skiing with these NATO <laughs> NATO skis, like with these bunny boots that clip right into them. Probably not the best setup for downhill skiing. Yeah, but. <laughs> 
anyways, it anyways, had to be pretty so, entertaining. Yeah, so all you're those a, guys trying to ski down this little hill. Yeah, it was awesome. So, so, you know, come the end of the day, they're like, okay, everybody go back to their bivouacs and get, you know, we so our unit was kind of set up, and then uh, platoon sergeant came by and he's like, okay, we're gonna do the night phase now, and I'm like, night phase, like, they're like, yeah, they're gonna. I, so I asked one of my corporals, I said, what, what are we doing? He goes, they want to do downhill skiing at night. I'm like, oh, they must have a light set up or something, you know. <laughs> so we get out there, and we're all, there's, honestly, shit, you know, like 300 Marines out there in this small ski hill. They're going to fucking send us down this mountain at night. No lights. <laughs> That's probably their favorite night. Even as a, even as a, even Just as a. Just to watch. They got their a, night vision on on the side of the hill, and even they're as watching a brain, you guys try to yeah. ski. Even as a brainwashed <laughs> private first class in the Marine Corps, of course I did what they said, but it's <laughs> not a good idea. There was a red flag He's on that one. in the nighttime. <laughs> there was a red flag. There him. was, I could, it sounded like a football game out there. There was like impacts. <laughs> I mean, because it was like pitch dark out. And I just kind of thought, what is the sense in this? No, when are we ever going to run into a situation in combat where we got to ski downhill with 300 other guys? <laughs> you know and then there was dumbasses sitting there smoking and joking right in the middle you know they'd be with their buddy and you know he'd <laughs> stop in the middle of the slope you know and they're standing there kind of you could kind of see shadows yeah. you know he's like see what's yeah going and there's like a guy smoking a cigarette not supposed to stop in the middle of a run that's known <laughs> even in the daylight on a ski hill yeah it sounded like a football game out there oh stop <laughs> over on the side or something oh my god dude that was one of the that was one of the many times in the Marine Corps I was like, is this really training or is this like a form just of hazing? Awesome. Or, <laughs> this is just entertainment. When, needless to say, nobody got, actually that whole trip, nobody got hurt. Nobody got like seriously hurt. Uh, we had one guy, we had these, <laughs> we had these called, they're, they're called BVs. Uh, they were like these tracked vehicles. You ever seen them little, looks like a little truck and a little trailer and they kind of pull them around and it's a two track. Yeah, I don't know. Tandem it's, thing. it's like something that would be like a NATO forces vehicle. Yeah, they had like those, those up little in the Argos. Yeah, so we had this uh, night we were supposed to build these survival shelters, and we were going to stay in them. And I was excited about that because even as a kid, when I lived in Malung, I always wanted to build my snow fort and stay in it. You know, mm-hmm. so and a lot of guys were scared to freaking death. Yeah, and we had all the right equipment to do it. So I was not one. But I was like, this is sweet. Who can say they stayed in a snow shelter in the Sierra Nevada mountains and a survival shelter. Oh, you know? man. And there's a, a blizzard moved in, like a big storm, and they're like, okay, we got to we gotta move out of here, but everybody stay in their shelters until uh, until the BV comes to you guys, okay? We don't want you guys going anywhere because they're afraid they're going to lose us, <laughs> you know, like a bunch of Boy Scouts or something. So anyway, I hear a bunch of yelling, and they're like, ah, shit, so-and-so just got ran over. Well, the snow was so freaking deep. Some dude got completely ran over by one of them BVs, and he just got right back up again. Just right into the soft <laughs> snow and right back up. Yeah. He's good. Yeah, no, he's like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, good. I'm not even hurt, now. man. Oh, man. Yeah, so anyway. Skiing. There was a cool spot last winter. I went skiing out in Whitefish, Montana with a handful of friends. And yeah, just like you were saying, the shelter out in the mountains. Who gets to stay in a shelter out in the middle of the mountains? But we went off off the resort and hiked up... Uh, you know, a small mountain off, or another mountain off to the side of the resort, and you can cut back in, but it's better snow, and I got a buddy that's local, and he brought us up there, and I didn't want to do it. We flipped a pole. You got to throw your pole in the air, and 
If it points up the hill, we're going for it. But I'm a Minnesota guy, out of shape, 30 pounds, 40 pounds overweight. Oh, yeah. Hiking up there. Sounds said, like fun. No way I want to hike this. He said, all right, we're flipping the pole, and it pointed up. I said, son of a, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack. But we made it to the top, and he goes, oh, you want to cruise over to this little spot? There's a shack over here on the other side of the mountain. They built it in the summer, and it gets snowed in in the winter. And, yeah, let's go check it out. See what... So there's like eight of us, and we cruise on over, and we go. He's like, I can see there's a smokestack sticking out of the snow. Mm -hmm. And so we got to go down and around and sneak into this little tunnel into this little wooden yeah, it sounds awesome. hideout. And it's dark in there, and it's tight. It might be like an eight-foot-wide circle, not even. And we all kind of jam in there, and our eyes are kind of adjusting, and all of a sudden it's like, dude, there's a backpack right here. There's some beers right here. What the hell? There's somebody living in here. No way. Yeah. There's somebody living in here. And, been some, and he wasn't there. I mean, he's doing backcountry skiing, and he hikes up there. And uh, my buddy locally is like, oh, man, we, we're in his house. we got to get out of here. I didn't think somebody would be staying here right now. But every now and again, somebody does hike up there, See, and they stay for, I don't know, as long as they want. Were you guys backcountry skiing? We, I mean, we... Just that run, we hiked up out so, of the resort, and then we had to cut back. My buddy's saying, hey, just keep it to the right, and you can get back on the resort over here. And I got lost. I, I went left a little too far and lost all my friends. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I'm sitting down on the side of the mountain, and I can see the resort out in front of me, and I'm like, I got no cell service. And uh, like so keep wiggling my way down and all of a sudden i look up and there's like probably an 80 foot cliff that i just went around the side of and i was kind of like holy shit minnesota yeah, not boy. much of a back and i told my buddy when we did that hike i said do not lead me off a cliff because i'm just trying to keep up with the a team i'm like a c team skier trying to keep up with the a team yeah. and i did all right but i'm probably c team at best so it, i got a question it was fun either way i got a question for you on the, on the back the backcountry skiers i see a lot of it it, it kind of interests me because as a guy that's been in the mountains a few times, um, do those backcountry skiers walk up the freaking mountain? Absolutely, dude. It's crazy. What, dude? I do mean, they put their skis on to try well, stay on top? Well, you can put ski skins on. So, so that's what I was going right to ask up. you. They're just uh, skins. You stick I, on the we bottom use of them. your ski for grip. We used them in the Marine you, Corps. Yeah, and you hike up the mountain then with your skis if you want. We didn't. We already had them and weren't prepared like that. We just. So that's typical. Put our skis on our shoulder and stomp with our boots up. That's typical backcountry peak. skiers use ski skins and the pros, the yeah, guys absolutely. that are. You just got to hike. You just okay. hike it. I mean, my, my friends that live out there do that. They Even if they're just driving and they see a nice spot on a mountain as they're going by, they'll cruise over there and be like, let's go hike it. We can come down that, just do one run or something. But mm -hmm. yeah, hike up it and. Yeah, it's surprising when you come from Minnesota, you're not used to that little adventure. Well, and then like the elevation will about kill you, you know. Yeah, especially yeah when you come from here and you're out of shape and. Yeah, I so I wasn't in shape. There's plenty of people that are. Yeah. But so when when I when I went to Colorado, there was this time, you know, we had to make it a point to drive up through Boulder and then into the kind of into the I guess we call it. We weren't in the, in the big snow cap mountains. There was snow up there, but it wasn't like. Yeah, you can head up towards Eisenhower, through the Eisenhower Tunnel, the Independence Pass. I want to say I think that's where we were. But um, anyway, I, I got out to take a leak, and uh, and I, I could just smell the mountains. And I, I, it's something that... If you go up to Independence Pass, you can take a leak on top of there, and half of it will theoretically go to the 
Because it's continental divide. Continental divide to the west and half to the east. Yeah, so and it kind of made me just for a second miss spending time out in the mountains on a vacation or or whatever. But quite honestly, I I don't think I'd want to live out there per se. Um, You know, I I love it. I I I love Minnesota. I love northern Minnesota. But if if they if we had a little more access to mountains, if it wasn't eighteen hours to get to the mountains, that would be great. You can go to northeast Minnesota and it's beautiful too. And even Lutzen Mountain Resort over there has one gondola that goes up over a cliff. It makes you think that you're in the mountains. Really? Yeah, it's kind of neat. And then from the top of their resort, you get to look out over Lake Superior. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's kind of different. But that's a different scene there because the lake is absolutely Minnesota, huge. That's gorgeous. Yep. But it's not. It doesn't do justice for the height. I mean, for your skiing. Okay, so uh, now we're gonna. I, I kind of want to cover something here that. Kind of pissed me off for the last couple of weeks. Oh, you're getting salty? What's making you mad? No, and and you know th- this is something we need to figure out. This Uh-oh. is really something we gotta. Jeez, oh, this is something we Here gotta we go. hash up. What do you got? Up so, did you sleeve? get that picture I sent you yesterday? What did you send me? The deaf fluid bottles. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Def. Okay. So deaf is diesel exhaust fluid, and Levi gets pretty mad about this. This is for. It's supposed to help emissions on so what diesel it, vehicles. So what it, what DEF is, is it's actually liquid urea. Which is pee, right? Well, it's not. It's, it contains the same uh, chemical properties as urine. So, and that's not, I'm not trying to be funny on that one. It's, it's, that's what it is. So that's why people call it urine. Okay, but, I, I'm going to tell you this. This is funny. I, sorry to the people that I've given maple syrup to, but last year I made maple syrup from the maple trees at my house, and so I needed a big barrel to collect all the sap in. And so I went to the local store over here, Northern Resources Cooperative, and I said, do you got any clean plastic barrels I can buy? Yeah. And he said, no, but we got these deaf barrels, two of them over here you can oh buy. And I said, well, isn't that chemical or something? I said, I can't put food-grade stuff, yeah, food stuff in there. He goes, well, it's pretty much pee. He goes, it's just water and you, yeah, it is. acid or something. He goes, you can just rinse it out and it's... It's I mean, completely it's clean. As clean as you can be, so I ended up doing it. Well, I, yeah, I took one of those pee jugs and I, I made held my maple syrup. In no, it. no, I, and that's that's perfectly, perfectly fine. I so as being a <laughs> you know being a logical human being. So, so here's the thing. I when deaf fluid first came out, I actually was happy because um, the restrictions that the government's put on, put on these um, engines is was was bad for a while because. They had no way to, to clean the exhaust up. What they were doing is they were having so many issues with these tractors and pickups that had diesel motors and stuff. Um, so, anyways, they the manufacturers. This isn't a government. This isn't a government mandated. Deaf fluid is not a government mandated uh, thing. It's it's brought on by a government mandated um, standard, which is the cleanliness of the final exhaust that comes out of a vehicle. Okay, so you don't have. You don't have to use it, but your machine isn't up to the mission standards. You can get to them by using this. By using urea, because urea is a catalyst to help, uh, I guess, finish burning. So you can get in trouble if they come out and check on you when you're farming or doing something. Who checks on you? Well, okay. So the way it works is don't have deaf in your. The way the way it works is anything you know. Two thousand tier four. They got tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, and final tier four. They call it, which is the final end of the that requirement or that standard so what it is is in the tier one days they just had diesel particulate filters and those so would just plug five up. levels of emissions yep. standards you're saying yep so so the the tier ones would just plug up like you rarely would see 
like a Ford, you know, Ford made a pickup that was just a total roach. I mean, I, <laughs> I bought smoke, one. I owned one. And it, big it was black smoke clouds every time no, you started. It, it was freaking was just... white smoke. And, and the thing of it is, you put 10,000 miles on the truck, and, the, and the, they just had a diesel particulate filter on the truck. So it would plug. Yeah. Okay, so you'd have to go in and get it changed out. I think it was like five grand to get it changed out. Well, who the hell and anybody in their right mind would do that? Anyways, so you you rarely see that era, that 08, 07, 09 machinery yeah, and yeah. pickups all had issues because then they came out with this def, which I was happy because I'm like, oh, you can let them idle all day if it's cold, if you're working out working on a job site. Yeah, being a you welder, know, you're doing that the all def the time. Food, yep, great. But now... Um, Def fluid tanks on pickups and tractors. Def fluid freezes. Okay. It well, next thing you know, I get a check engine light on my truck that says Def fluid tank heater, whatever. It, it, it isn't up. working. Yeah, yeah, it's not pumping. So you go in and put, well, how much for a Def fluid heater? Well, it's about three grand. <laughs> ah, dang, you know. Can, so. And they can't put anything in it to stop it from free, or more alcohol maybe or something? I or, don't know. Uh, I think it's the catalyst, the heat from the exhaust. You know, they pretty much have dialed their their chemical you know the, the i mean how do they stop it from freezing that it's like they just put a heater in the truck and when you start okay. it that heater turns on yeah. it's almost like a heat strip yeah you know so um needless to say i bought i have a more modern piece of equipment on my farm and it requires death fluid and and uh, it doesn't bother me that i have to use it so much as every this time of year november in minnesota we had an early cold snap here and I was just using 55-gallon drums, and I bought a hand pump. You just hand pump it in there, not a big deal. You put fuel on, you put death fluid on, you know. I thought it was burning a little more than it should. It was using like 25 gallons a day, which is <laughs> crazy. But um, anyways, what happened was it started getting cold, and my death fluid started, my pump started freezing up. Then my death fluid started freezing up, and then I was like, ah, what are we supposed to do here, you know? Well, I don't have a heated shop right now. I'm in the process of building one. So then you go... So you now know, you need to farm. So, you can't. Yeah. So now I go. Now I go to boxes, right? Boxes of death fluid because they. And then I just pick them up at the parts store every you can morning. Keep them in the cab of your vehicle. You keep them in the cab, or you can bring them in. It's just they're not as bulky, and you can carry them around. You don't need a forklift to take a box yeah. of death fluid, you know. Yeah. Inside or whatever. So, needless to say, I'm. You can have I'm a big a, jug somewhere and fill your little. I know bags. that would be the most environmentally, un I mean. in thing. <laughs> where am I going to put this jug right now? At this minute in time, things are a little odd because we're building a shop right now. I'm yeah, living a, in between places. Yeah, I'm in between places right now. So I'm kind of, maybe I'm ranting for the wrong reason, but I guess my rant is I'm standing there putting fuel on my tractor and I got like eight boxes and jugs of urea fluid and I'm looking at the jugs and I'm like, what, what kind of resources did it take to make this stuff? You know, how many extra trucks... What is that? That was a piece of grass in my coffee cup <laughs> for some reason. I thought it was a big chunk of metal, dude. Oh, damn. No, that's weird-looking metal, but no, <laughs> I don't, couldn't tell you how I got a piece of grass in there. But, yeah, whatever. Well, where are you getting this coffee from, dude? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, anyways, you know, my I guess my rant is it, it kind of goes nowhere, but... I, it kind of goes nowhere. Well, I kind of think I, I kind of think I start thinking. Well, what did it take to make those boxes? What did it take to make those jugs? What did it take to pay the person to individually fill? Not, I don't think they individually fill jugs full of death fluid, but it's probably automated. But so what, is it worth it? In the is long it worth run? it because then you had to deliver that death fluid? So you're saving carbon emissions, but you're also 
adding a whole what do they call that line of yeah is that carbon footprint yeah Yeah. a whole nother separate line of carbon footprint yeah to create this 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 product and distribute it and you need to create the plastic jugs that it goes in you need to market it you need to do everything and so it's a whole nother industry industry trucking it and is that new industry helping more than it I mean, I don't know the facts on it. I don't either. How much emissions is getting saved by the DEF versus the trucks that are? I know it's cleaner, it, but I know it's, it's got to be cleaner. They I know it works. To, 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 and, and with diesel, and you got to have the option that if you, you know, uh, there are going to be tractors and machinery that don't need it now, or what? Because they run so efficiently. Yeah. Or, so, so I was doing some for research. Farmers that can't afford it. Two million dollar piece of equipment right <laughs> off the bat. Yeah, you got to run deaf. Well, so my thing is, I'm not my my logical way of thinking is, or my logic is, I don't get mad at the people that, you know, I understand. You know, with diesel engines, especially, you know, there that that deaf fluid is not made to cut down on emissions, as it so much is made to cut down on soot. That is the whole purpose of it, because, um, you know, the whole soot thing with diesel engines is where they is where their big issue was and that deaf fluid is made to do a final burn on that soot and it does help so if you look at a tractor say you got a 400 horse tractor out in the field working that's got deaf fluid in it you rarely see anything come out of the exhaust i mean maybe once or twice in the life of that tractor you'll see a a puff puff of black smoke other than that honestly it looks just like heat now when my cousins they got a new tractor a few years ago that had i don't know if it was a deaf tractor or not but you know, I, I don't know if the salesman was full of shit or what, but he said, oh, yeah, that air coming out of the exhaust is cleaner than the air going in. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he was a salesman or not. Oh, man. Yeah, still, like, oh, can you stick your mouth over that exhaust? Yeah, I, why don't you just, <laughs> you should have told him that, hey, I'm going to funnel that thing down through a hose for you, and I want to see you breathe that out of a respirator for yeah, I'm like 30 dude. minutes and see what color your face is. First of all, the fact you're using that as a selling point to oh. some ick, Buck farmer up here in yeah, Minnesota. You can breathe that. It's cleaner <laughs> than the air going in. Yeah. So, so anyways. Yeah, that is a selling point that this tractor runs and cleans emissions as it runs. Some, <laughs> you know, I mean that would be unbelievable. That's where we need to get to. Well, we need to be recycling. We're, we're on the street more out of the atmosphere than they're producing. That would be great. So, so as a business owner, you know, farm slash farmer slash whatever I am, you know, I look at the death fluid thing is, is it a good investment? Um, I think they had requirements they had to make and they adjusted to it and they made the requirements. And I think I saw something come across the blotter that uh, said that in 2024 or something, uh, most big manufacturers now are going to be going away from death fluid because they've got better technology. Like you were saying, yeah, to it, it solved the problem in the meantime. A yeah, they did. It, so, the pro- it didn't solve it, but it helped it. So that might the be the next step. That might be a good example of people not wanting something, you know, fuck this, you know, I'm not doing that to, you know, we bought ourselves some time, maybe, maybe learned a lot of things in the meantime about deaf fluid and diesel, diesel, um, injection, whatever systems, efficiency, you know, and now, now we've, de- over, through all those pains, we've developed possibly some better technology stuff, yeah. you know make stuff more efficient you know so yeah, it needed that push yeah we always maybe need a it, maybe it needed people getting angry you know like you always need a painful having to put it in to say hey just make something where we don't have to buy this all the time and 
In any industry, you always need to spend more money on that. I'll tell you what, you know, the Marine Corps teaches you a lot of things. And when you talk about a painful push, um, they got, when I was in boot camp, which boot camp was uh, quite honestly, probably one of the easier things I did while I was in the Marine Corps. But at the time it seemed like it was a struggle, you know? Yeah. So for sure. It's the first thing you're probably terrified, but first thing I ever did. Damn, that was easy. Yeah. So they got what's called repelling in Marine Corps in it. And I don't know if you know what repelling is. You do, I'm sure. Slide down a rope. Yep. And you got carabiners and there's a certain way it's ra- route and, and you got because yeah, you don't want to drop and just hit the ground you yeah. gotta you gotta lower you got a marine, yourself you got a marina down yep. a rope and you got a usually a drill instructor on, on belay they call it he's the one he can actually pull the rope to the side yep. from the bottom and it actually lo- it'll break you it'll stop your yeah. descent the hardest thing about repelling wasn't the repelling itself. It was that breaking over the, you got to yeah, form. leaning back for the first time. It was time. that breaking over that edge. I think. Right? I mean, that is, if you could. You can watch the most extreme people. Like I watch sometimes the wingsuit pilots now. Have you ever seen that? The mm-hmm. proximity flying. It's terrifying. Yep. But they, I mean, yeah. And that has to be one of the most terrifying things to do. And that even the people that have done hundreds of jumps are still terrified. They said, as you're standing there ready to jump off this cliff i mean that's the hardest part lean back or yeah start going over the edge and of course we're you know that 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 l shape and having your back you know nothing between you and your back you know your body at 80 feet and the drill instructor of course he's not being real pleasant you know (laughs) i mean you're gonna go no matter here's the thing when you get up there no, you gotta go. You're Everybody's going. going. Man, you can't be the one guy that's like, yeah. I'm going. Uh, uh-uh, I quit. Yeah, so I quit. I, I don't want to go home. You learn a lot about yourself. At the time, you don't realize, but you actually learn a lot about yourself when you do things like that. And you know, about three Push years later, yourself la- outside the box. About three years later, I was in recon training up in uh, Fort. Uh, I think it was Fort Story, Virginia, and I was part of an amphibious reconnaissance school, and it was a pretty tough school. And we had a, even, even seasoned, we were pretty seasoned Marines at the time, corporals and, you know, whatever, doesn't matter our rank, but, um, we, we were doing some helo training and, and it was, we were repelling out of helicopters and, uh, there we go. And we were, you know, any repelling I had ever done in the Marine Corps prior to that was no gear on. It was just, just your body with your camis and. So all of a sudden you're 80 well, pounds heavier, the, 40 pounds Yeah. Well, heavier. recon, recon Marines, you know, and snipers, which I, I was in the scout snipers too, um, try to train with everything just like you're going into combat yeah that's what you do absolutely um, so uh we, we we had one day that, yeah we got helos coming we, we, it was a you know, of course they scheduled the stuff and i nobody was really nervous i wasn't i was actually kind of pumped i'm like this is pretty sweet <laughs> you know you know so like i'm we're on this bird and it's loud and it you know there's hydraulic oil like spilling on the floor and stuff because it's a marine corps owned helicopter and it's like <laughs> from the 1960s or whatever and the pilot's like smoking a cigarette no yeah, I'm, right. just I'm just kidding the, he's got a big gray <laughs> got out of the bar <laughs> anyways anyway so these guys are going out you know our recon instructors they're pretty they're pretty salty man i mean these guys are pretty pretty wicked and he, you know most guys that i was in with were were pretty salty too and it, we were having no issues you know one two three guy three guys had going four guys Next thing you know, this guy was, you know, one of these guys was a Locked reservist. Up. I remember he was from uh, 4th Marine uh, Recon or whatever it was out of Louisiana, and he was a reservist. And we didn't really like reservists anyway. Maybe he was, I don't remember. Regardless. That's like a part-timer. He kind of locked up. He was, you know, you got, no matter what, so you got this 80-pound ruck on your back. You got your freaking weapon carabinered to your chest. Yeah. 
just you look like you're damn gonna parachute out of a plane essentially because you do have a, a harness on with a carabiner d-ring yeah. on it anyway this guy's like I, i'm not going and he's like oh <laughs> they love that shit they're they like love that. yeah they they, that right he's like now. oh yeah you're going so and just so he's yelling and, and screaming him. at him and it's loud you can't hear nothing you know and uh he finally it, it was like a minute of of them jacking around trying to argue with each other about going <laughs> and finally he just kicked him out of the bird yeah right kicked him out of the back right and the next thing i know i look we look back and me and my buddies are like this is awesome you know? <laughs> holy shit yeah like, we're like this is awesome because he's he's got the carabiner and he's got a guy on belay yeah. so he's yeah, not gonna you gotta fall. go so like when somebody's bungee so jumping this, you see him try to panic <laughs> and their friend just pushes so them. get this right so next thing you know like three seconds later the instructor's yelling down below and i'm like well, they happen? can't hear them. Yeah. You know, like they're down there. They're not, they can't hear him. Yeah. These birds are thousand high, horse, yeah. you know? So anyway, <laughs> I see he's yelling, kicking. All of a sudden I see an arm reach. The oh, guy. right on the edge. <laughs> so he freaking, this guy got kicked out of the back of the bird while his carabiner, this guy on belay must have freaked out and locked up his carabiner right oh, away. Yeah. So then he slapped off the bottom of the bird. Oh my god! He <laughs> so sees him next... cut from the bottom. He sees him falling. Yeah. So then the much. next thing you know, he's like, "I ain't going, buddy." He's so still he, climbing. So back his up. hand and arm come up on the deck of the helicopter. <laughs> now you and... gotta start stepping on his fingers or what? Like... <laughs> <laughs> so that's James what Bond movie. That's what the instructor does. He's kicking his fingers. And... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Just grabbing one at a time and looking at him, saying, here you go. Three, two fingers, one finger. Finally, the Bye. guy went, man. And he, I think I, I think he got dropped from the class. Maybe not for that. but Well, you don't want him with you. No, I, absolutely not. Because, you know, I went, and I'll be honest with you, it is, when you got that much weight on you, you can feel the stretch in that rappel rope. Oh, yeah. It is scary because it's like I'm trusting everything oh in this God. rope right now. Because if you fell, you'd probably. You ever seen some of the falls they take on yeah. those tiny ropes on, with the rock climbing? Yeah. So rock climbing, and I, I mean they fall 60, 80 feet, and that thing jerks. And it's like, oh my gosh. I I went and it's but very made to stretch. So it's very very hard when you're rappelling with a you know big heavy rock on. It's hard to keep yourself. Um, it's hard to not go upside down. Oh, I hear you. You know, yeah. it's um, it takes almost over everything backwards a little bit. over backwards a little bit. So by the when you hit the ground, you pretty much land on your back. Yeah. You know, um, but it's not hard because you yeah. you, you roll you, over, do a push up, get yeah, back up. Yeah, you use it. You use the you, you did a little bit of discipline you got and all that chaos to to still control your descent, and and then uh, you'll you'll just hopefully you know how to roll over so you don't just lay there on your back kicking. Put your hands like up. a turtle help, out in the combat help, zone. Push, help! We can't do sit up. Ask him to teach you how to shoot your rifle off your back. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I got a lot of good stories about the Marine Corps. They're absolutely ridiculous. But <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know. But, uh, love it. I love it. So what do we got cooking here? So now let's let's recap. Uh, What's well, November third? But. It's election day. We've talked election, but now we got to talk maybe a little bit about this weekend. By the time we get back for another episode, we'll be past opener of deer season. Yep. You got your eye on anything big out there or what? Actually, no. You Levi? Um, I I do hunt. Um, I've kind of, ah, you know, I... Dialed it back a little bit, Well, too. it's been dialed back. Number one is kids. Um, my So my wife's dad, he's, he's big. He loves hunting. I mean, it's... 
it's his life. He hunts and fishes. He is a guide on Lake of the Woods. Um, I kind of, I, I kind of let him have, you know, even when it comes to my kids, he, he brought my daughter hunting this year. Yep. Um, she, yeah, grandpa takes them hunting. Yeah. Grandpa takes her hunting. And I want, I think it's important for my kids to have a, See, yeah, I just, I've got a three month old son now and I'm already like battling in my head. I've had grandpas saying, Oh, I can't wait till I get to take him hunting in his first deer season or this or that. I'm like, Hey, isn't that my right? Yeah. And but also, yeah, everybody wants I, to be part of that. I shot my first deer sitting in a stand with my grandpa. Yeah. I, I shot my first deer sitting by myself and my, my, ch- <laughs> man, I, I, I sitting by be, myself the in first the year I hunt, dude, the first year that I hunted my dad. My dad passed away about 20 years ago. I'll just give you a little backstory on my dad. He was a good dude. Um, he, he died from brain cancer when I was a senior in high school in, in the year 2000. And uh, I, you know, that's what I was going to say was um, you asked me about deer hunting, and I, I kind of lost my fire when my dad passed away. Yeah. It's never really, I've never really gotten it back. When I used to drink, um, I kind of had some fire about deer hunting because it was a social thing. Yeah. Since like I quit, to go to deer but camps I, and BS yep. with guys. So I've been sober for five years. I haven't had a, a drink in five years. I just, I do enjoy going to the, yeah, I do enjoy going to the woods. Um, uh, but I don't like, I like to go home at night and sleep in my own bed. And I, I, I just, I lost that fire for the, it's like when my dad died, that part of me kind of went away too, you know? And, and it, it bothers a lot of people because, for some reason, people think that I should, because I'm a Marine and I was a sniper and because I grew up in northern Minnesota and da-da-da-da-da, that I should be into this big this big hunting guy. And I spent a lot of years when, back when I was drinking trying to be this guy. Yeah, trying um, to like hunting. And- yeah, and I, I, there's nothing, it doesn't bother me to kill animals. Like, Well, I grew up hunting too, and, and somebody asked me, or my wife asked me the other day, I think, do you feel bad when you shoot a deer? And I said, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't love to shoot a deer. I love I love the experience of being out there. My buddies come up from Minneapolis each year and we hunt. My second weekend is my buddies. First weekend is my family, my dad, my uncles, my grandpa. And I talked to one of my uncles just yesterday and he said, you know, he's thinking of bringing a couple cousins up and they've never hunted. I said, that's great. I said, we got guns, stands, tags, whatever. And he said, well, they don't care. They're not meat hungry, but they want to come up and experience it with grandpa. Well, so I think that's a bigger part of it is the camaraderie of the whole thing. It I is. Mean, it yeah, is. it's fun to shoot a big buck sometimes, but it's also fun to let that thing go and possibly see a bigger buck next year. And I'm not starving. I'm I, just. I like venison, but I'm not starving. I'm overweight. I'm just. I'm just so. Con, I'm. I'm not conflicted. I've got to hunt for meat, but yeah. I've got various fun. opinions on you know, I, I've never gotten into big buck hunting. Like I'm not. I'm not like. I've owned one. By that. I've yeah. owned one trail camera in my entire life, and if, for those of you who don't know, trail cameras are those, you know, cameras you put up and they got sensors on them. They take a picture and Motion put it on an SD card. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, I've never really got into that. Um, I mean, granted, if I'm out farming out in the field and, and I'm doing something out out, out and about because I spend pretty much every day farming out in the field or driving somewhere for for my job. If I'm out and about and I see a big buck, don't get me wrong. I'm like, oh man, I'd like to shoot that thing because. But well, here's the thing. need to see. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, anybody sees a huge buck. I don't care if you're the owner of the Sierra Club. All right? <laughs> They're intrigued by it. Just some people would like to see it hanging on their wall. Some don't. But I guess, you know, my thing is this. I want to instill in my kids, in, in my f- 
father-in-law does a really good job of this is the uh like you talked about the camaraderie and mm-hmm. also the necessity um we, we don't we need we need to not forget that deer hunting in minnesota and in the, especially in the northern states um we didn't our forefathers didn't yeah, give a shit how big a rack was no, how big a buck was came here needed to eat you know, we need to remember that we're out here getting together. You know, deer hunting season in Minnesota, especially up north here, is not about it's not about uh, getting together to look at, um, you know, to, to to try kill animals and stuff. It's more, you know, what it really, sh- in my opinion, it's about heritage almost. Well, Celebrating it is, it is heri- about killing animals too, because that's when we come around. <laughs> well, Everybody comes back well, yeah, around, so, and it's legal well, yeah. to kill these animals. Well, yeah, so but yeah, it is part so of our heritage. I, you know, I think one yeah, thing like that should said. be stressed a little more is, it's a you know those are pioneers. Not that long ago, we're one of the last settled places in the continental United States up here in this neck of the woods. Oh, I think that's argued though. I mean, didn't the Vikings come to Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, early, but they weren't though. like. They didn't. They didn't like settle it. They were like, yeah, yeah. They over explored here. here and then left. Yeah, maybe, left a yeah. tablet down yeah. by like Wilmer or something, yeah. <laughs> whatever the hell a tablet is. But anyways, um, you know, I, I, I we weren't established in this county till like nineteen hundred, maybe. Yeah, so nineteen oh one or something. But I will say this: I will admit that I have zero patience for anything, um, which is fairly undisciplined of me to do that, but. The reason why I probably feel the way I do about deer hunting is because I have no patience. Even you as a just kid, just sit in a deer stand. Well, and be yeah, quiet, or I have just buddies. Little ADD. Yeah, I mean, I, I have. I'm just like, this isn't. I'd rather, you know what? What am I killing this deer for? And then I'm like, well, I can't eat the horns. I see a doe come out. I'm like, yeah, you're dead. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for and, that. But, yeah, but the funny thing is, I've I shoot seen a, a lot doe. of does at my land this year because I do have some trail cameras up, and yeah, I never have big bucks. I but shoot we a, got lots of does. And I shoot a doe. And, I still get excited though. Yeah, I still my blood gets pumping. I shot a doe a couple years ago, and then you go up to it and you're like, I just took the life of this thing. I'm gonna I take feel, care of it. I know. I kind of you got to take almost a Native American approach to it because I I feel like that. I, you're not shooting. I've had buddies that, oh, man, it made me mad back in the day. And, you know, you're driving around in the country and you see a deer. Shoot, shoot it. Shoot that thing. It's like, what do you mean, shoot it? You All you have is a shotgun. Yeah. And they shoot at it with a shotgun. It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Yeah. What, you just put pellets and it ran away? What, well, what's wrong with you? And like, then with, and then now the... the so, the, yeah, if you're going to shoot something, you are gonna you better eat it and take care yep. of it and put and, it in your freezer and... Res- yeah. And I, now, I feel like that. you got to respect the animal for being an animal and now the way the weaponry is weaponry for dumb weaponry for hunting (laughs) okay so you got weapons. so we you know we've got gun like i just bought a new gun this year and um just a whatever i'd like to buy i'm 33 years old i've hunted this will be my 20th year deer hunting and i've never bought my own weapon i've got a shotgun that was handed down to me a rifle that was handed down to me and a one one shotgun in a raffle. So I remember <laughs> and I've never bought a weapon. I've rem- not been able to hunt my whole life for the animals that I prefer. So I remember when I was in there where you're at, so I had a few guns. My father had died. I got some guns that he had given me. Um and I hunted with a thirty out six for probably five or six years after I got out of the Marine Corps. And then I, I one day one night I was sitting out in the woods when I used to hunt with a group of buddies up in Beltrami, which is funner than shit. It yeah. was fun back then. Yeah. Um we hunted all these ridges off the swamps and stuff. It was awesome. Um, I remember looking at that gun and going, you know, because, you know, we were, back then, you know, we were 
there was some beer drinking involved and then we we would actually go hunt and sit too though you know but i remember thinking you know what my dad gave me this gun looking at it in the woods and i thought you know what it's time to retire this thing because i want it to be in good condition for when i give it to my one of my kids whether it's me my son or my daughter and so i decided to retire that gun in honor of my dad you know just and it sits in my gun safe now do i take it out and shoot it not necessarily but uh, that gun had, a, you know, I, I kind of want to retire that it's gun. Too. Its place. That gun had a good record, you know. It yeah. had a, it had a full, it had a zero percent failure rate. For real. Honest told to you God. That. No, told no. You that. I, I mean, not before I owned it, but when, when I had that rifle, I literally killed everything that I shot. Oh, when shot you at shot it, it, yeah. You know, so that was. Thanks, Dad. Maybe I should bring it back out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you should bring that thing back out. Yeah, because oh, I don't think my other guns don't have that good of a kill rate. But um, no, uh, anyways. <laughs> so what I was gonna say though is today's technology. So I bought a gun and I I, I put um, it's a it's a six point five Grindel it's called, and I did about as much research as I could afford time to do research on a, on a scope, which wasn't on the biggest part of my radar. This is a gun that shoots like 1,000 yards or something? Uh, say, yeah, or they what? will. Uh, they're not so much a 1,000. I mean, yeah, you could, but um, I, what I did was I did research, and now they've got s- scopes for less than an iPhone that you can pretty much yeah, put... Yeah, but the, an iPhone's 1,400 bucks. No, I know. <laughs> so you can pretty much, you pretty much put the dope right on the gun, and I didn't really know this even... I knew there was stuff out there like this, but I didn't know it was this easy. So you just download the app, oh. and you and you, and then you tell how many yards I've got a rangefinder, and then it you tell them the grain of your bullet. You. Well, yeah, and, and you you need to do some fine tuning, like go oh, to the range. Man, this is a super scope. Well, so what I'm saying is, <laughs> so what I'm saying is, there's no excuse for people to be out using the wrong. You know, we should be able to humanely take animals nowadays, no oh. problem. Oh, you man. know, I mean, I shot a deer in the head with it. Uh, you know at you know you you can you should be able to surgically you know you take should be these, able to, yeah take, 200 yards yeah maybe even 300 yep, yards take big a game shot. and do it with humanely and put the animal down on the spot and then you know do the right thing to go out there and and you know my family i think we probably eat venison honestly five days a week oh, year, wow. year round that's crazy yeah that's we a put lot we, we have it in our hamburger um of course, we blend it. Yeah, I um, did it last year. Processed my deer yep. for the first time myself with a buddy, and we bought some pork and we made. It's good, isn't it? And we, yeah, it was all right. I it was all right. My first year doing it, I wasn't totally impressed with that. So you're gonna die it in I this still year? Ate, I still, we still ate it all. Well, I think I have one package left of the brats in my fridge, but yeah, I, I'm gonna tweak it this year a little okay. bit again and see if we can figure it out. Do you do any jerky or sausage? Nope, like as far we just, as we made, uh, we made breakfast sausage and we made. Uh, brats, okay. and then I cut some of the back straps and things into steaks. And but yeah, for did you take the uh, tenderloins at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Hit them the first night. Okay, I think I took them from the three deer me and my buddy shot, and they didn't realize that I stole theirs too. And I cooked them all up for us the first night, and everybody you know, loved them until they realized theirs were gone in the morning. I know one thing that's very important that my father-in-law taught me that my dad didn't do such a good job teaching me was, you know, back when I was. My dad, when I was a kid, told me he used to shoot deer up in north of Greenbush. He, he used to, yep. he said times were tough back then, which I'm sure they were back in the early 80s when I was just a little kid. Um, he said they used to kill deer out of necessity, you know, essentially poach them. Oh, yeah. Um, to feed, you know, and he'd, they grew potatoes and had a garden. There was no jobs up here back then. Um, so, you know, the way I was taught to to take care of the animals from my dad 
was a bit more crude than than my <laughs> father-in-law. My father-in-law, you know, we had we didn't have like running water and stuff where we hunted deer when my dad was alive. So you butcher them up quick. Well, yeah, and... you know, whatever. There's a lot of blood involved, and you know, it's kind of messy. I go to my father-in-law's, and it's so it's almost like a doctor. You know, it's like, and as soon as we're done, Surgical. we're washing stuff down with a, with fresh water, and you know, it's 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 critical. I found out that it is critical to keep that meat clean from oh, yeah. stage one. You know, these guys up north where I was at was. They don't do it like that anymore, but freeze you know. it quick, <laughs> freeze it quick and eat it fast. You know, you know even hardly got to wrap it. Oh, well, we were living like a bunch of trappers up in a month. You know, we'll get another one. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I had, I had some family that lived like that too. They shot deer. I mean, all year round and, but they ate them all. They didn't leave them. They yeah. ate them all. And I think a lot of people did that up here and. May, probably still do some of them you know sneak them here and there if they live out in the country but they don't yeah they don't leave them laying in the field. I, i'm more of a, a, a libertarian when it comes to hunting anyways i i i think if you own land like i own land um yeah, i well, think that you, if you own land you still aren't allowed to just do whatever I, you want on the land i know but he, it's this, like anything it affects the people next to you too and it does so we're all in this together you know it comes back to that uh I mean, I'd be mad, you know, you, if you own land, you pay the taxes, you do work to hunt on it, and the guy next to you is shooting deer year-round, and you're trying to invest in this hobby and yep. grow nice deer and enjoy your time in the woods, and you yeah, I agree. neighbors are just banging them left and right, and you're like, <laughs> got a oh fork, got, got a nice fork here today. No, not the, no, <laughs> no so, so what I'm saying, though, is if it ever came down to it, you know, you know say it, you know, I think if, if you had intentions of, you know, just putting food on the table, you know, obviously we would be doing that. I yeah. mean, and I don't think anybody would have a problem with that, you know, but I don't think you should be out shooting Walmart or 14 pointers. Yeah, just putting food on the table, you know, that's where you draw the line, you know. It's yeah. like, I, but I'm not a trophy hunter anyway. I'm not, a, I don't use the trophy hunter mentality. And to be quite honest with you, I think not having the trophy hunter mentality will actually one day land hey, you a trophy there you go. you know so i'm using that that kind of that to let them go let them yep. go let them go finally all of a sudden come sneaking out of the woods yep and it, it, it's gonna i know it'll catch me off guard too because i'm gonna be like what monster six, <laughs> you know? six drop times and a, <laughs> oh man yeah so so anyway that you we look got at you a grunt and you shit yourself a little bit and the 30 pointer shot with your big toe yeah, I, I, I'd still get fever even when I shoot a doe right before I'm going to send one downrange. It's it's fun. My, yeah. I have a good friend that shot one early season with his daughter just a couple weeks ago, and he called me from the stand still saying, Hey, Uncle Kev, we need help. Time to get your knife. And I could hear her in the background and said, Are you nervous? Yeah, my legs are shaking still. <laughs> That's my, my daughter, legs too. Are shaking still. And even I got there, it was probably. 40 minutes later by the time I got there, man, was she still excited. My daughter really this year to too. And yeah, he, he loved it. I love being able to go there and help and see that. And I made her give me a high five at the end after we gutted it and cleaned it. It is. And just so that she got some blood on her hands and said, here you go. That's all worth it, isn't it? Oh, I mean, man, it is. so much. It's, it's a memory. I, and I, you're teaching that, you know, my daughter the same was the same way. This is her second year this year, but I talked to her on the phone about a half hour and she was, her voice was shaky still because it was a it was a nice little buck for an 11 year old yeah i yes, mean it, the, oh man 
the one I cleaned for her was bigger than any buck I've shot. I was yeah. jealous, and I don't know what's going on with all these kids <laughs> shooting big bucks. When I, was, I know, dude. I, I was supposed to shoot a doe, and I was, and I thought I did, and I sh- ended up having five points. But yeah, you're supposed to shoot a doe yeah. for your first year, and all of a sudden they're taking the ones that, yeah. I geez, so I own a chunk of land jealous. right out of town here, about six miles and or whatever it is, and I've let quite a few young kids hunt out there. And I, the first year I let a kid hunt out there, he shot a monster. And and everybody's like you let's you know there's a few people that were like you let, let him let him oh, do that yeah and I'm like I I don't care I went out there after he shot it and I was like this is fucking awesome <laughs> yeah felt good for him I felt better f- that day than I f- would have felt if I'd have shot it myself yeah absolutely he loved it way more than you God, he got more you know than you ever would have yeah you, I, can't, you don't care you can shoot a doe but to see that joy like that you know why I get so eyes, happy because as a kid. At that age, he was like 14 at the time or 13. As a kid at that age, it almost was like it was me. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you get to see the joy in his face and you live a little bit right through it. You know? <laughs> and that's okay. It required me not to kill an animal to do it. And then plus, I don't have to deal with the meat at that time, you know? <laughs> you know, so yeah, it was awesome. It was, uh, and, and I do, I try to let, I, I try to let kids hunt on my land, obviously with their parents or licensed. It ain't like I got... 12-year-olds running around out there, 270 short mags. Yeah. No, you have to hunt with some, an adult during youth season. And if you're, yeah, even, what do you got to be, 13 to hunt by yourself during a regular season? So. I think it's 13, 13. To, to get a, you have to have a firearm training certificate. Oh, yep. Yep. And then uh, there's something, I, you got to go through the firearm training. And, uh, you know, but anyways, uh, so yeah, we got deer hunting season coming up here. It kind of it's kind of like the beginning of a of a, about a month long holiday, honestly, because <laughs> you know that rolls right into Thanksgiving, and then from Thanksgiving, then muzzle loader season, and, and that's Christmas. Yeah, and, and that's this is you know, and you know with the uh, COVID going on right now, of course things are kind of on edge. We're gonna find out things what are really on edge. Happens after this election too, with COVID and more restrictions or less restrictions, or maybe it'll go away. Donald Trump said it's just gonna go away. So well, and it will obviously. It will. That's. He's not wrong. Um, it's not going away on tomorrow. It's not just going poof. Right. So it's done. I it was, was list- all a hoax because of the election. So, They're trying to make me look bad. I was listening to. So there's two things that could happen here. Not back to politics. I. This isn't politics. This is COVID talk. COVID um, talk. Tied to a little political stuff, but I was listening to a podcast last night that essentially said. The areas that got hit hard in March, April, and May are now st- based off of facts, based off of information on the CDC website, are not, they're, they're seeing a second wave, yep. but it's not anything close to what it was, okay? Because the people that didn't get infected back then are now getting infected again. You know, yep. they're getting infected. Yeah, I think that's been the whole time. It's been, okay. it's been trying to limit it and just release it slowly. So, yeah, so people, one thing that. Because they say 85% of people would get it. Originally, they said that. Right. But so, we're just trying to slow it. So, one thing that we need to remember through all this quote, it's all about mindset, okay? Let's let's not get scared. I'm, I, I have not been scared of this thing not one time. Don't I, panic. I think the one the one paper was crazy. I think at one time I was scared, and it was when it first came out, and they had cases in the U.S. And I think I fell for that. The sky is falling just for like five minutes. Okay. I think I thought it was BS right away, and I slowly came around to, you know, all right, we're gonna have to try but get a it, wrap on this thing. And now, now the world, now our country hardly knows what to believe because there's been so many things said. And, but uh, if you, as long as you stick to facts, though facts if you can find them 
and statistics. Yeah. So we don't even know if the statistics are right. But here, here's the thing. I don't know anybody that... A lot of issues. I know one person right now that is... Sick. Sick from this. Yep. I know a lot of people that have had it or have it right now that aren't sick. Yeah, very few that have had to get... I know one person that had to get or... airlifted out of here a couple yep. nights ago. You yep. probably know who I'm talking yeah, about. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, town, but so, a lot of people that just lost their smell and their taste, and that's um, it. Right now, Bratz and I could even have it, and we may probably don't even know. So I guess what I'm saying is people or need... Or had it months ago and didn't know because okay. so you didn't have symptoms. So I'm just going to leave this COVID thing at this. This is my thoughts on it. You protect yourself if you want. Wear a mask, okay? I typically don't wear a mask very often um, because, because that's my choice, number one. Uh, but remember that... But you if know, for some reason you think you might be sick or get lose your taste or something, you I hope I'm going to put a mask on. Wear a mask or to try to protect other people, or your kids before they go to school. So here's the thing. But yeah, it's hard because they say you don't you don't even know unless you get have symptoms if so, you have it. So here's the thing. I treat it just like the flu. Like yeah, I've been in. You know, what what you do is you ha- people need to accept that in order to be a living human being. You're vulnerable to anything. Yeah. Right? You should treat this like it's flu season. Be safe. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Be safe. You know, if you're really worried about it, yeah, absolutely. Wear a mask. I, I've had influenza but, so bad I thought I was going to die, man. And I never, like, I've been warned about it and mm-hmm. get the shots and do this and do that. It's not like I'm not respectful of a uh, infectious disease. Yeah. I'm, I'm respectful of it, but I also don't want people to actually get sick being scared of it. You know, in a sense, don't. They're, they're, they're in, don't be so scared of it that you're causing yourself more problems. Like <laughs> yeah, stress exactly. Is you so, to go so like it's like crazy fight, it, it's as like, you're locked in your house. It's like fighting a war. You know, we're in a war, right? Mentally and <laughs> politically. Yeah. And so it's like it's like fighting a war. You don't you don't shut down a whole economy to stop. Just like we didn't. send a nuclear weapon into Iraq and Afghanistan and just wipe the whole place off the face of the earth because there was 5,000 ISIS insurgents in there. Yeah. So it's the same approach. We used special forces. We went in, basically eradicated. And between Obama and Trump administration, we've went in and, and yes, I think Obama did a good job eradicating some people, and I think Trump did too, you know. Um, So needless to say, it's. I wish we would have used... Trump did use the analogy, but I don't think he ever implemented the the device of fighting a war. He always said, we're at war against this, but he didn't treat he it like talked that. talked about it and called it, blamed it on China and well, said it's serious and then it's not serious and it is serious and then it's I, not I, serious and it's more serious than you we know, thought. You know, I kind of... It's less hey, serious than we he, thought. Here's the thing. I kind of... had it and now I got the cure. I kind of I wanted to do a segment on this show. after the election because I'm not doing anything with COVID till after but the election. What, what, and so, yeah, but, I, I think he handled it pretty terribly. But And it but, sucks that our economy's been shut down for eight months. If this was a f- fake virus that we didn't need to... I mean, I understand we're learning about it constantly. But So what are we going to do? So, okay, so let's, let's do a segment called... Let's do a segment called What If. Or what if? if I was in charge. I don't know what I okay. would do if so, I was in so, charge. But, it, oh, man, so I, that's a tough question. I, I just want to say what if. We're back on politics now. So I just want to say what if. If Biden is elected, 
He does a nationwide mask mandate, essentially making it illegal in public to not wear a mask. Essentially, he will shut down everything. You think he'll he shut said down that. the country? Yes, he has and said that. Just shut the lights off on the streets. And he shut down. He will do a a mandatory. I mean, it's going to be a mandatory everything. shutdown. I might as well just shut the breakers off here at my shop and go home. Call for, REA and yeah. tell them to. I don't want. I don't even want to get charged my power bill this month. Shut it down. You can't no. just stop the whole no. country. That's no. a little bit ridiculous. Let's be real. Yeah. So I okay. mean to say that. that that's what. That's the podcast that the I top. listen to. Is that's what they. They're conservatives. That's what they're saying he will do. But I think it's honestly. That's a little bit far-fetched. But I'll be honest with you. Biden doesn't... He doesn't... Hey, uh, you know what? He, listen to me. Just listen to all me. Right, all right, all right. Biden doesn't have a strong enough spine to do something like that. No, and that's all right, because we don't want <laughs> him to do that. I, we don't want him to do that. I want him to take a few more steps. Quite honestly... And just to admit, you know, that quite there honestly, are some steps that need to be taken to control this, then yeah. Quite have honestly... a little bit of a plan, and then we'll follow it. But quite, not hold out and be like... All right, guys, I know I got elected, but we're going to wait a month before I'm going to tell you my plan. And so, <laughs> so quite honestly, I don't think any, honestly, our, I don't think much, is, vote. I don't think much is going to change. And, and, and here's the, here's the deal. Still coming to work next week. Here's the deal too. Hopefully Th- this, this is going to probably go, get recorded and set out uh, here within an, what, today. Yeah, we're going to try to get it. We're going to try to get it up live. Uh, okay. So here's the deal. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a dumb fucker and go out and cause problems with anybody that opposes you. In fact, you know what? Yeah, let people vote. We'll see how this thing pans out. And then shut your fucking mouth after and swallow it for whatever side you're on. Just like we've done for uh, 200 and whatever years on this country. Yeah. Oh, one other thing, too. Before we go, because we've got to get back, off here. Let's come back together after this election, and whether no matter who the president is. I and mean, that's what this show's stop about, Stop arguing. That's what this show's about. We're going to have to make it work with whoever's elected. So, and so let's next week. so figure out how to do it best. Next week. Yep. We're, we're doing next Tuesday again, right? Yeah, not, yeah we'll do it next week. After, yeah, that's a big, uh, that's a big day. Oh, we'll have to see if I've got my deer yet. That's a big day, dude. <laughs> next Tuesday? Yeah. Why is that? November 10th. November 10th. It's the Marine Corps birthday. Okay. That's a big well, deal in the Marine's life. We'll say happy birthday to the It's Marines. not just about saying happy birthday. We're going to do a segment on it. All right. We'll talk about that next week, too. Okay. But, yeah, for November 3rd, hey, get out and vote. Like Levi said, be reasonable with everybody and stay peaceful. Hey, and maybe even smile. If you see somebody with a Trump hat or a Biden hat, smile at them and wave. Wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, it would be crazy. Holy smokes. All right. That's it for this week, folks. We'll uh, be back with you next Tuesday. Be peaceful to one another. Take care of yourselves.